0: live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios.
1: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. We are all over the place this week. Uh, if you find us here on a Thursday, you find us inside the Avenues Mall, inside Palm Beach Autographs. And how about this background? We should change, maybe make this our studio all the time. Memorabilia galore! Yesterday it was baseball cards, football cards, basketball cards—any card you want to think of. Today it's about any autograph you want to think of. I got the uh, newest member of the Hall of Fame and the first ever Jags Hall of Famer jersey right behind me, and uh, Tony Baselli. I was really going to load up the Larry Bird merchandise behind. Uh, I thought that would be the best, but Austin's not here to see it anyway. So uh, here we are at Palm Beach Autographs. Uh, Special programming note tonight. tonight, I'll be here until 5, and Mike Tyson's coming in. Uh, And uh, meanwhile, on the show, Casey and Brian Middleton, an extended action sports jacks overtime, not just 6 to 7 today. It'll be 5 to 7 today. So we'll take you all the way until 7 o'clock right here on ESPN 690 locally. And the big story here, Mike Tyson in town, and Mike Tyson here at Palm Beach Autographs. PalmBeachAutographs.com, the place to go if you want in on the fun, autographs, pictures, and information. Uh, There is a, a limit. So, and they might, to be honest with you, I don't know exactly where they are on the limit yet. Uh, Nobody has told me you can't try to go to the website and get something Mike Tyson related. But uh, we do expect a big crowd out here uh, tonight for sure for Mike Tyson. Then tomorrow it's Pete Rose, and on Saturday it's Ric Flair. Brent Martineau here, Casey Kurtz back in the studio, uh, Austin Lane in Dallas getting ready for a big, big fight on Sunday in the cage. Hopefully we'll talk to Austin. Uh, We want to give him some time and and space and get ready for that fight mentally and not uh, have to deal with us goofballs. Uh, But hopefully we'll get uh, him on the phone tomorrow as he heads into the weigh-in on Saturday and then again a big fight on uh, Sunday in uh, Dallas. He's been successful in Texas as of late and hopefully uh, Dallas will be the same thing for Austin Lane in the MMA cage. Uh, Casey Kurtz How about this? If I told you that the first person in a line for Mike Tyson is uh, really probably like a kid, I would say, like a late teenager, and was here when the mall opened at
0: 10 a.m. I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not not surprised, but at the same time, I am. But good for him or her. 10 a.m.? Yeah, I know. That's a long. Here's the thing that I've always had a problem with, like with waiting with stuff like that, when – like, you buy a ticket, right? So, like, you know it's going to happen. Do you really have to get there at 10 a.m.?
1: That's what I was kind of thinking, too, right? I was like, I mean, you, you're prob- you not going to, like, get shut out, right?
0: Right. Like, you buy the ticket, you just, you know, uh, Martin said, obviously, the mall closes at, I think he said 8. So, like, they have to get yeah. through by then. But, you know, you have a pretty good idea that if you have a ticket, you're going to be okay. So, I don't know, maybe get some lunch, show up around now. <laughs> Even then, I would, yes. I wouldn't get there until it's almost over. But, <laughs> nonetheless, I mean, we still got a long way to go here. I know. I was a
1: little surprised by that. What's it, Now, listen, you've played the autograph game before. Now, the way you play it doesn't come with a ticket. No, it so does not. what's the longest you ever waited for somebody? And did you oh, get boy. that person?
0: Uh, so the first one that comes to mind, I don't know if this is longest, but uh, the first time I got Jeter uh, was at the Yankees rehab facility when he was hurt. And we got there at, like, roughly 5 a.m. He came out around noon. Well, that's
1: a good seven-hour wait. Yeah. Well, worth it for you because yeah. that's your favorite guy.
0: Yeah, it worked out, um,
1: and it's a cheater. So as long as you got it, it would be highly yeah. disappointing if you didn't.
0: Yeah, that would have been awful. It, actually,
1: we've waited around for many of an interview over the years, and then came up empty. Yeah, so it wasn't an autograph, but it might have been an interview, and then you don't get them.
0: Yeah, I got quite so, a few of those stories as well, but we'll, we'll skip yeah. that. Not as exciting. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, try to try not to throw anybody under the bus, perhaps. Right? Yeah, that too. Um, So, uh, hey, last night, uh, the J.U. Dolphins looked really good, and beating UNF in the River City Rumble, they really took it to the Ospreys. It was the most lopsided win I think I saw since 2009. The funny thing is the Ospreys have really had the number of J.U. in the last, I mean, almost a decade. And it really has felt like the ball's been in the court of Matthew Driscoll and the Ospreys. Well, uh, they're without a couple of their big guns. I'm not saying the result would have been different. It probably would have been closer uh, because – Honestly, they found a way to play without Placier and Hendrickson over the last few weeks and, and had won five of six. This is really more about JU. JU is playing really good basketball right now. They can defend with anybody. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country, and they smothered UNF, one of 20 from three-point land for the Ospreys, which they've had a couple of sh- rough shooting days uh, this year, but two of them have come against JU. So we'll tell you how good that defense is, and uh, they poured it on to victory. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, Jordan Mincy has, has changed the feeling on the campus to J.U. about basketball. The whole administration has really put a lot of effort into basketball with a new facility that just opened the practice facility, still playing at Swisher Gymnasium. Maybe that changes someday down the road, but it's been a nice home court for J.U. They've won, they're have won. 14-0 and 0 there right now, and you know what they're going to do. They're going to play defense, and they're going to, try and obviously, hopefully do enough on the offensive end. Mitzi is really uh, – um, what a job. I mean, he's, he's the Sun coach of the year, I would think, but what a job he has done. You, you're, a, you're a UNF guy. Um, but you've been around this JUUNF thing for a bit, Casey. I mean, pretty significant. And, and the best thing around here is if both teams are good, right? Um, I'm not like, it's hard to get both teams really good. Like someday you want both teams in the championship game, both like. Almost twenty-win teams, both with a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. Like that would really pique everybody's interest. But it's always good to have at least one of them good. In the past, it's been UNF most of the time uh, that's had a chance to win the Sun or, or did go to the NCAA tournament back in 2015. Then a nice run in the NIT and other things. Uh, but Ju, when I first got here, it was like um, it, it was they were in the championship game of the Sun tournament and lost two years in a row under Cliff Warren. And if they had won those, I mean, Cliff Warren would have probably got this big-time job, and J.U. would have been dancing. Well, Jordan Mitzi's doing things like they haven't been done since, like, the 80s yeah. at Jacksonville University. So, uh, really, I think you start the show with a tip of the cap to Jordan Mitzi and J.U., because uh, that is a heck of a turnaround for that program.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, to your point, when both teams are good, it's more exciting. And there was a lot of excitement around the game last night. Obviously, it was sold out. There was a lot of students there uh, for J.U., UNF probably had, you know, a student or two as well, but we won't... Yeah, nobody
1: tickets at Swisher.
0: Yeah, yeah, we, we don't need to go that far. But it, at the end of the day, the, it was a highly anticipated game, I think, because of how good JU has been this year, as well as UNF is on a streak. Like you said, obviously, without two of your best players, you're in trouble. And you can't... If you're UNF, you can't go 1-21 from three. It's just... Uh, it's not going to work. But that last night was dominating from JU. Like, even... Even UNF couldn't score the basketball, but J.U. did not let up. They played their defense. They continued to run their plays and score points, and there was a couple times uh, early in the second half where they were still up 20-something points and stuff wasn't being executed correctly, and Mincy called a timeout, and they, (laughs) they restarted and executed correctly. So I think, to your point, yeah, he's done a great job with that program, and look, you still got to win the the A-Sun championship, what looks like they will be able to do. And I get this weird vibe that they might be able to win a game in the tournament if they get there. Like you said, the defense is legit, and if they can score points, this is a year that anything can happen in college basketball and anything could happen for JU.
1: Yeah, that was an interesting thing. See, I don't think that far down the road because I think it's really hard to win the A-Sun. The the A-Sun is as deep as it's been. We had Nick Morrow on from UNF the other day. It's as deep as it's been. It's wide open. But, I mean, listen, Liberty is good. Uh, JU is good. But even the East, like, UNS started playing really good basketball there for a stretch, and Florida Gulf Coast can be dangerous. Kennesaw State was dangerous. You look on the other side, you got Jacksonville State and uh, was it, Eastern Kentucky. So I mean, you've got these. You you got it's wide open, and so getting you first of all, you have to do that. Like you have to yeah. win. The, you can't get in the tournament without winning the ASUN. But if I didn't think about your point of that though, I was like, wow, that's. I mean, maybe maybe they could, you know. I mean, if they do get in the tournament as Asaun champs, they're probably going to have something like 21 to 22, or even three wins. Probably like 21 or 22, I think it would work out. Um, maybe, maybe it is 23. So that's a that's a nice record. You have one of the best defenses. I mean, I still think they would be a 16 seed, which makes it very difficult. Uh, but maybe they were to sneak into like a 15 type that's of what I'm- thing.
0: And, Maybe I'm thinking they could sneak into a 15 seed because if you obviously there need to be a little bit respect paid to the sun there. But if you run the table beating a good Liberty team, that is pretty good. And FGCU, I think if you do that somewhat dominating, I think there's a realistic chance you're a 15. And then if you're a 15, anything can happen. These number one seeds are going to be good like they always are. But these two seeds are teams that we've seen lose games no matter who they're going to be.
1: There, is, there seems to be a big difference, like even the psychology of playing a 1-16 and 16 or a 2-15. and 15. Yeah. Like, you just feel like you got more of a shot as a 2-15. and 15. And really, like, you probably don't have that much more of a shot, but you got a little bit more of a shot. And uh, the one thing, J.U., would hurt them is a little bit, they don't have the equity built up. If you look at Liberty over the last couple of years, when they've made the tournament, they actually have gone as a 13-seed, I think, if not multiple years, definitely one of the years. So... Uh, You know, J.E. doesn't have the equity built up to maybe with the committee say, hey, yeah, they've been knocking on this door. They've been here three years in a row. It's time to bump those guys up. They put good showings on the board. Uh, But it'll be, listen, we're way ahead of things. But until you said that, I was like, I don't know, maybe they can. Maybe they, uh, you know, first of all, you want to avoid the play-in game if you were to win the A-Sun, and then if you did that, You're a 16 or a 15. You shock the world. I mean, that's fun stuff. Like, to be honest with you, the only way the NCAA tournament is fun locally, in my opinion, is if JU or UNF goes. Like, the Florida Gators, nobody, like, it's not good enough just to go to the tournament if you're the Gators, right? You're not going to get Gator basketball fans coming out of the woodwork because the Gators have gone. Florida State, the same. They've set the bar high. And, by the way, they're not going. Uh, And, you know, UCF, Miami, I mean, nobody's getting excited about that basketball, but the one way you do have, if you get UNF or JU in the tournament, that that brings like a little excitement for a few days around the basketball world here in Jacksonville, and, and that's a fun thing to rally around. Um, so, I... I I think it would be kind of cool. I mean, of course it would be cool. It would be great. But it's the only thing, again, locally that I think can get you super fired up about the tournament outside of the fact that it's just a tournament. We love March Madness and the brackets and everything else. Um, again, Florida is not going to do that. Florida's probably on, – they're on the bubble anyway. Yeah. But if they get in, nobody's predicting Florida's going to the Sweet 16, Elite 8, getting a chance at a, at a Final Four, right? They just don't have that kind of team. So I, I think it would just be a very vanilla – Hey, we're in the tournament again. Kind of reaction, at least here in the Northeast Florida area. So, uh, pretty interesting. We're really well done by Midsey and and uh, the JU Dolphins. That was uh, that was a that was a very impressive effort over a team like UNF that had come in playing really good basketball. Now, I will say this: I, I call a lot of the Ospreys games. I thought that. I thought we'd see a couple more of these kind of games with Hendrickson and Placer out because I just don't know where their offense is coming from. And then guys have really stepped up. I mean, Jarius Hicklin has been very good for them. Uh, Priester's been very good the last couple of weeks for them. Uh, but I, I guess... Where is your offense coming from is a sincere question uh, that I had for UNF during the stretch, and they were able to find it, but not last night, not against uh, JU, who really put the clamps down. So um, congrats to Mincy and the JU Dolphins win the River City Rumble. The other part of that event at Swisher Gymnasium is, hello, Jacksonville Jaguars, right? I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars last night. Chewed up about four percent of capacity at Swisher Gymnasium.
0: Yeah, there there was a uh, I maybe it's fourteen percent. It, it was a big big VIP section for the Jags yesterday. I was watching the broadcast on ESPN Plus, and I hadn't been on Twitter. I don't know what I was doing on my phone, but nevertheless, I hadn't seen it yet. So when I heard that on the broadcast, I was like, oh, let me check it out. And then I saw Marcel's tweet, and pretty much the whole team was down there. It, it, I mean, just team bonding, and it was uh, I thought it was cool to see.
1: I think it is neat to see that. By the way, I really do like that. Uh, I've seen Jags over the years at high school games, and the last couple of years, you know, you've got to be very careful of that because of COVID. And I think that's opened up a little bit. Also, it's the off season, so it allows. I, I thought that was really cool to see. Uh, it was it was Chark, it was Chase on, it was Shaq Griffin, it was um, keep naming them for me, Chenault. it was um, Agnew. Um, I'm missing a couple, I think, that were in there, too. But uh, we'll hear from Shaq Griffin, by the way, in a bit more. So Robinson caught up with him. Uh, you, you said It was interesting that you brought it up, though. You were like, does it mean anything that some of those guys were there? What do you mean by that?
0: Well, I just thought, I guess I'll just go for DJ Chark. I mean, obviously, I guess technically still a member of the team, but you never know what's going to happen with that. So I just thought it was interesting that, obviously, he's those are his friends. Those are his teammates for now. But – when we saw a guy like DJ Chark delete all of his Jag stuff off uh, social media, one would be led to believe he might not be back, or there might be a, he might be going a different direction. So to see him out at an event in the community where he's obviously seen, like he wasn't trying to hide or anything, he was DJ Chark sitting right there watching the game. I just thought it was interesting to see him out there. But I thought it, at the end of the day, I thought it was a good thing.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's not a bad thing at all. But um, I. I was trying to think, too. uh, Okay, we're going to read into everything this time of year, especially Jags-related and especially DJ Chark. Um, And it's not like, by the way, we we don't have to present this like DJ Chark and the Jags have been like. This wasn't like Yanni Kangakwe, you know, a couple years ago, showing up to Swisher with all his Jags buddies. But he's like fighting the Jags, you know, front office, basically, and having cryptic tweet season. Like, DJ hasn't done any of that. Um, I I know you take some stuff down, but that's because he's a pending free agent more than anything, or he was just cleaning his social media like Kyler Murray. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> Who true. knows? But uh, I, I I will tell you this. I know Chennault and, and uh, DJ live, like, I think even in the same yeah, neighborhood. I believe so. And so, I, I, obviously, the receivers are close. And so, like, I don't read too much into it, but it did get me thinking a little bit. I mean, we're at the point where... Uh, DJ Chark, I think in his mind, has to believe that he's headed toward free agency unless he knows something else about a pending transition tag or franchise tag or deal. You know, and Mm -hmm. and he didn't talk last night. We actually caught up with DJ like two weeks ago, and nothing really had changed much on that front. Uh, We'll be at the Combine next week. We can talk to Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson about that a little bit more. Where do they see a guy like DJ and Cam Robinson? And by that time, it'll be like the end of the franchise tag week. So we'll know a lot more. Um, so I guess I'm not going crazy with the reading into, I think these are just teammates that like each other. You know, Keelan Cole came back on his bye week to watch a game in a Jag suite this year.
0: <laughs> I forgot about you that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, uh, I think I don't know exactly what it says. I'll tell you what, what else I think it says a little bit. And this is very, I don't know if it's going to do anything for the fans out there and everybody listen, but I think it shows you how much players now stick around the area. And, like, Shaq Griffin, he's here. And I'm not saying he's not going away for a weekend or going to Orlando here or there, but he's here. Like, he's here on – he doesn't need to be here right now, right? And all those guys that I just mentioned, they're here. Uh, Are they doing work, some high school or some park with with Trevor, right? Or even a C.J. Beathard. Like, are they getting their work in together? You know, when I first got to town – I didn't see that as much. There were guys or a lot of guys that went back home and worked or went in other places and worked or didn't live here. It's not like they couldn't wait to get out of Jacksonville, but they didn't live here. I think you find a lot more players living in Jacksonville, and I think there's a lot more at the facility for them to put their hands on, so that helps. They've, they've increased that. That might have been a difference from when I first got here. Uh, and that's only going to get better, by the way, with the performance center that's coming soon. And I think a lot of these guys are younger guys that have now started families and, and bought houses. You know, And I mean, I know James Robinson has brought, like, almost his whole family down here, and they live down here. And uh, Chark obviously has a family and a little one, and um, and they've, you know, built a house, or I don't know about built a house, but bought a house and, and have a home here. So uh, I think that all that stuff is a little bit, different than at least 14 years ago when i got here and uh i just don't know if it says anything about hey is dj chark going to be a part of this thing i I think deep down by the way that dj chark when we talked to him a couple weeks ago and i didn't i didn't do the interview but our uh, action sports shacks team did and i got the sense that he was more like hey i'm not waiting around right i'm not begging them to sign here sign me. i'm looking at myself as a free agent And if my time in Jacksonville is done, my time in Jacksonville is done. And I I don't think he said it from a negative connotation. I don't think he said it from, like, a hey, I'm playing hard to get here. Um, You're going to meet my parameters. I just think he said, I want to go win. I want to win. And and that was before, by the way, they had hired Doug Peterson. So he didn't even know how that was going to transpire yet. Uh, I wonder what his mindset is on that. Does he really want to be in Jacksonville? Does he want to play with a guy like Trevor Lawrence? And, and that can certainly aid a wide receiver if you're playing with a quarterback of his caliber. Uh, does he want to play for a guy like Doug Peterson? If he looks at Peterson's track record and where he's been, he's an offensive coach. And, and does he like what they've put in place? So take the dollars and cents, which will eventually win the day. But where does what does he feel? Right, and yeah. I think Chark's a very interesting piece in this off season because it sets off a different level of dominoes on what the Jaguars either want to do or then have to do if they have Chark on the team or don't have Chark on the team.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I think obviously when it, it wasn't great when DJ Chark was in there, but I have that lasting memory of him scoring the touchdown against Arizona in the corner of the end zone. It looked better when DJ Chark was out there. When he wasn't out there, we saw it. It looked like it was not good. So to your point, he is the domino because you can't afford to lose a guy like that without replacing him with somebody better. The question is, can you do that with all the injuries? But back to the original point, I just think it's cool from a fan perspective. And maybe that's just the COVID part of it that we haven't seen these guys out in the community. But to see them all together and get that kind of team-like Environment out in the public at other sporting event. I think it was just a win for the the players. All
1: right. So if I simply ask you the question, if the money works, let's just say the money's equal uh, or close to it or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I can sit here and throw you fifty different scenarios. Well, one they franchise tag them. Well, no player loves the franchise tag, but franchise tag would be like a cool seventeen million or sixteen million or whatever it is for DJ Chark. Uh, that's not bad. Uh, do you, but let's just say whether it's that or. Um, it's a four-year, $45 million deal or something like that with 28 of it guaranteed. And that's what was going right. That's what he would have got on the market. He's staying in Jacksonville. Um, do you think he wants to be in Jacksonville? Do you think he'd like to see it work out in Jacksonville simply? Or do you think he's at the point where he's like, you know what, change of scenery might be better. Not that I hate it here, but change of scenery might be better for my career.
0: I, I would like to believe that with he has seen a lot in a short uh, time in his career, but I would like to believe that you want to win for the place that drafted you, that took a chance on you and gave you the best season of your career. Uh, I would like to believe that him and Trevor Lawrence and the other receivers have a relationship that they can continue to build on and that Doug Peterson is the guy to bring him forward. So I would like to believe that yes, he would like to be here, but it's hard to keep signing up for, as bad as it's been but if you believe in what's going to change and if you believe in Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson then yeah I think you would want to be here
1: you know I will say this what do you let me say one more thing on it if here's just three options Uh, Jacksonville Indianapolis or the Jets again I'm totally just making this up Mm -hmm. if you're DJ Jark where do you want to land it I Because all three have money, by the way, right? And all three are probably looking and need receiver help.
0: Yeah, I would say if out of those three teams, if I was DJ Chark, I'd want to stay in Jacksonville because I know who my quarterback is. I have a relationship with him. I'm not going to a better quarterback in Zach Wilson, in my opinion. And now that you don't know if Carson Wentz is even going to be your quarterback, I don't love that idea. So I, out of those three situations, I'd stay in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would too. Like the unknown on Wilson scares me and the Jets' whole thing scares me. Again... <laughs> If they outbid everybody by ten million dollars through the course of the deal, we know where he's going. Money wins the day in free agency. It oh, it almost always does, like ninety-nine point nine percent of the time. And, but the Jags can match anything, or just do as well if they want to. Or and so it'd be really interesting to think. Like I think I agree with you. I think if you gave me, if I'm DJ Chark, you give me Jacksonville, Indianapolis, and the Jets. Again, total hypothetical question. And the money's all within two, three million dollars of each other over the course of the deal. And Some of it's just lingo, what's guaranteed here, What's all that stuff. I think I would take Jacksonville, too. I mean, the Jets would scare me a little bit. Uh, I I think Trevor's probably got a better uh, chance of being a really good quarterback than even Zach Wilson. Um, And Indianapolis right now, I don't know their quarterback, even though it's a better team. So he did say he wants to win. And if you want to win, Indianapolis might be the place to go. But they might do it without a quarterback over the next few years. So how much can you really win?
0: And that last taste in your mouth from Indianapolis is losing to you. Well, you losing to the Jags. That's the last thing you saw if you're DJ Chark. And, you know, I, I, I'm i not saying him and Michael Pittman Jr. are friends, but I'm sure if they had a conversation, Michael Pittman Jr. Would say, hey, like, I need the football and I'm not getting it here. So do you really want to come here type thing? So I, I, I don't know. if
1: you. I think you can make the case that DJ Chark is one of the most fascinating free agents on the market if he ends up there and they don't use a tag. Because – I really don't know exactly what his his market is in terms of dollars, years, investment, and how many people are calling. Like I think it's more than anybody would think because I saw it happen with Allen Robinson, even coming off an injury. But Allen had proven more up to that point, too. Yeah. He'd been very productive. Uh, so it's it's really interesting to see, and especially since... Those guys are free agents, actually, and they're, they have similar stories. Not exact stories, but similar stories from their time in Jacksonville. All right, let's take a break uh, here at Palm Beach Autographs in the Avenue's Mall. Just getting warmed up, just getting started. Mike Tyson here tonight, palmbeachautographs.com. If you haven't uh, looked up how to get a picture or autograph, uh, the line will be lengthy, so bring your patience, but you get to meet Mike Tyson tonight uh, before they sell out. So uh, you got that going. Uh, for you. Palm Beach autographs in the Avenues Ball. Action Sports Chats on ESPN
0: 690. We'll be right back. I believe our guys are just locked in. From the time they stepped on the court, um, they had a certain level of focus. And we talked about it early in shoot around as our, our staff. Just seeing the level of focus that they had. And they understood, you know, the magnitude of this game. Um, and it was our last home game. And these guys are taking pride all season. To see them to be able to close it out the right way, it's a, it's a great feeling as a coach.
1: That is Jordan Midsey, JU basketball coach. Done a terrific job. We just talked about him in the first segment. JU wins the River City Rumble. They sweep it for the first time, I think, in uh, four years since 17, 18. Uh, they get that. So, uh, are you okay over there?
0: Eh, you know, as it's a UNF just guy, just does tough. that hurt? You know, they, I guess they can have one. You know, once. You know, that's cool.
1: <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen. Uh, I again, I think it's good. Uh, UNS had their number for the most part. I think it's good what's going on uh, on the campus at uh, Ju. And part, I part I say that. Um, and I was a big Tony Jasek fan. He was a, he was a good friend and and played golf a bunch. And um, I think he was a good coach. I just think they couldn't get them momentum going and keep it and for whatever reason maybe it's a myriad of reasons and toward the end by the way well we'll say administration at JU really started to put more behind uh, basketball and has done that I think they made a big mistake over the last 15-20 years and it's not the people in place right now but over time of losing sight of basketball as being their their big sport um, and they've they've kind of circled around on that really doing a good job so uh part of its administration uh but you can't deny what Mincy's done and what he's brought in and maybe some of that's the transfer portal by the way right yeah uh you know that bring it in the players they brought in so i and also like i um obviously i love matthew driscoll i love the unf program's awesome too they've been great and you want them both to be good but i don't really have a fear factor that they're not going to be good like Driscoll's a good coach. He's got a good program going. Uh, They have a very young team. They've got some injuries. They've been beat up a little bit. Like, I think they're always going to be around and always there. J.U. needed to get it cooking. And so I think it's a good – it's a really good sign for J.U. uh, in that respect. Even if you're a UNF fan, it's good if both are good. I I know sometimes – like, ask Florida, Florida State fan if they love the fact when both are good. And they would say no, right? But I don't think they really mean that. I think it's better in the 90s when Florida and Florida State are both good. Yeah. And Miami's good. Like, football in the state of Florida has not been as good in the last 10 or 15 years, even with FSU winning a, a national championship, even with Florida winning a national championship, because they haven't all been good at the same time very much. And so I, I think there's something to that. I, I think you want that. Um, and so that's, that's what I like to, to see about uh, JU. Um, and, and UNF will be right there as well. Uh, and by the way, Still got to get done in the on tournament, right? And yeah. that's uh, UNF will get another crack.
0: Perhaps, yeah, they will.
1: Uh, of doing that. So, uh, by the way, I just tweeted out on our on our um, show on Twitter that if you don't follow Super 70 Sports, like it's <sighs> it's always day. it's a great account, right? It's really good. It's really funny, and some are funnier than others. Some it just depends like how old you are. <laughs> there are a couple today that I keep sharing with with Casey that are really good. Like, I just, the last two I've seen, I was like, that's awesome.
0: They're top tier. <laughs> they're really good.
1: Yeah, they're, they're really top shelf for sure. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, so go check those out. Don't, don't divert from the show too much now. Hey, we're at Palm Beach Autographs in the Avenues Mall. Palm dot com, by the way, if you want more information on Mike Tyson here tonight, Pete Rose tomorrow. And also uh, Rick Flair on Saturday. So how you can be a part of it? Get autographs, pictures. Uh, PalmBeachAutographs.com. That's the place to go. And again, six thirty tonight is the story for Mike Tyson. Six to eight to, uh, tomorrow for Pete Rose, and then it's early Saturday afternoon for Rick Flair. So definitely go on top of uh, go on PalmBeachAutographs.com to get more information. But I was thinking of this, Casey. Yep. One of the great things they have here. And I gotta see if they'll give me. You got you got mm-hmm. one of those signs of the pump, the uh, Tyson punch out ones. I'll show everybody on the feed. But one of the great things that they have at the at Palm Beach Autographs is the Mike Tyson punch out. Sure. A- and they have this. Uh, oh yeah. th- that, that that Tyson can sign. Yep. And they actually have a bunch of them in the store. Uh, we've actually done it on our Dream 18 golf tournament. We've auctioned it off. Martin Buckley's been kind enough to let us do that. Mm-hmm. And so it got me thinking uh, about Mike Tyson's punch out. Yep and said, like, even me, I'm not a gamer guy, but we all played Mike Tyson Punch-Out as a kid, at least in my age group. I don't know how much of that you did because they had really advanced video games by the time you were growing up, Casey.
0: Oh, I'm in on it. You're in on it? A little bit, a little bit, you know. Nothing serious, but, you know, I I play my fair share. So it got me thinking of what's your
1: favorite character on Mike Tyson Punch-Out? So what's your favorite opponent, essentially? Uh, that Mike Tyson would fight.
0: Yeah, I'm going King Hippo. You remember him? King
1: Hippo <laughs> the, the names are awesome. So if you forget some of the names, I'll refresh your memory with uh, Bald Bull, yep. Glass Joe, Little Mac, who I don't remember as much, must not have used him. Uh, he was just like King a regular-looking
0: po- guy. It was
1: Soda fun. Popinski. Yep. Super Macho Man.
0: Yeah.
1: Aaron Ryan, don't remember much. Von Kaiser, Great mm-hmm. Tiger. Uh, I think that's it. Um, King Hippo's a good one. Oh, yeah. But I really think I'd go with Glass Joe. Glass Joe, I can just, because Glass Joe, I can just remember, like, it looked like his head was going to come off his body in the video game.
0: Yeah, that's fair. You
1: know, like, it it looked like his head would end up in, like, the fourth row. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... Uh, that's cool that you've played it, though. I wasn't sure if you you would have.
0: Oh, yeah, a little bit. You know, I uh, played a lot of video games back in the day. But, yeah, you know, I'm interested in something like that. And uh, King Hippo, that was that dude, you know, uh, big fella. Uh, I don't want to say he looks like a hippo, but, you know, his name was King Hippo. But uh, always good knocking down the big dude when you're playing the game. You know, the the biggest character, you take him on. I like it.
1: Uh, so favorite character from Mike Tyson Punch-Out. Share him with us. Uh, who you got? King Hippo for Casey, Glass Joe for me. Really just based on uh, – because if you really – if you got Tyson knocking a guy out or really, you know, delivering a big blow, which you could really do on that game, mm-hmm. um, Glass Joe's face went into, like, the third row in my – It's that's what I have a visual of. And I haven't played Mike Tyson punch out in, like, I don't know, 35 years. I don't know what it is. I don't even know when it came out. But it's mm-hmm. been a long time. They were just telling us – what do they call that? You're a video game guy. So, like uh, – Back on the Nintendo, somebody was just saying they recently came up with, like a couple months ago or a couple years ago, like a trigger. I think they call it, what, an Easter egg? Yep. Like, right, that's what they do? That was crazy. Uh, that, That every time, like, there's a guy in the background on the game that he ducks every time Tyson's about to, like, light you up. Really? And so if you duck when he ducks, you won't get hit.
0: That's what ah. they told. Me. Well, that's a game changer. Where was that, that information?
1: A, I don't know, but somebody just—I mean—and so what I said is like I want to live that guy's life. Who figured that out? Yeah, it I took know. like 35 years or something, <laughs> or whatever it is—25 <laughs> yeah. years. I guess it would be 35 years. Probably be more like 20, 25 years to figure that out. Um, of of uh, how to beat the system a little bit.
0: That is insane.
1: But there's there's a lot of that stuff with the old video games. Is that as prevalent with the new games?
0: uh not to that extent like there are stuff in there but now everything's like a remake so like the Easter egg will be from like the previous game like if you're uh, playing I call you. of duty like there'll be something in there from that you'll recognize from like modern warfare or something so that's kind of how it goes now
1: um I got you I got you <laughs> Matthew Sheridan, He's guy he's got the gif out and everything this guy always wrecked me when I was younger <laughs> he's got uh I think that's bald bull, bald bull he's pulling up. Oh no, that's that looks like a different guy. Is that Soda Papinski?
0: I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't see it, but I will let you know that Delphonic said the character you use is Little Mac. Mike Tyson is the final boss, so that's oh, Little, Little Mac's
1: Mac, the li- your guy. Yeah, that's your guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. You're right. You're right. I get it now. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at actually too. I'm looking at Little Mac knocking out. Uh, Trying to match it up, I think it might be Soda Papinski. There, it's been a long time, folks. Not gonna lie. Uh, Speaking of uh, Mike Tyson, though, so I thought about this other one with Tyson coming to town today. And what's your favorite fight? Yeah, or knockout, like real life stuff. Now,
0: yeah. So I was gonna text you this, um, but I thought it'd be better to tell you over the air. So since I've been alive, Mike Tyson has only fought ten times. That's 1999 to 2005. That's and he actually
1: surprising that, that like, he had fought that many times in your lifetime.
0: Yeah. So where I'm going here is, I'm not going to lie to you, I've never went back and, like, watched the highlights. That's fair. Um, so so I, I know this isn't going anywhere, like, quickly, but that's just, yeah. like, to like the way I think about Mike Tyson is, like, it's one of those people that my dad would tell me about, like, oh, he was great, and I just had to, like, agree. Like, I had, there was, he was, like, I'm looking at, I've looked at all the stats and everything, like, he was great. But for me, it was just one of those people that I was told was great, and then I went on with my life. My Mike Tyson is the dude from The Hangover. (laughs) So, yep.
1: Yeah, that's a little different than our Mike Tyson. Yeah. I'll give you, here's the story on Mike Tyson. I'm, when Tyson's coming up, right, Uh, let's see, you're talking, trying to, gosh, Tyson was, so you're talking about late 80s. About 85. Well, mid to later, late 80s. Shoot, I was probably right about the 30, 35 years, really. Um, And so I'm like, when he's first coming up, um, uh, mid-80s would have been like 8, 9, 10 years old. And then, you know, in the early 90s, when things start to go a little wild, um, I'm in, you know, closer to my late teens and 20s. But I actually remember, like, we didn't even have cable TV at home. When I was a kid. Okay. And so, like, any of those, like, uh, pay-per-view things, like, I didn't even have the ability to get them. And you got to remember now, it's a, this isn't like, hey, when I was young and this is 1924. No, this is, like, in the 80s and 90s, which isn't that far ago, long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no Internet. Oh, <laughs> so you got to remind people it's of that. to not a good start. <laughs> and, but I, and I didn't have cable, which was, by the way, like, it would be like somebody not having a cell phone now like a 15 year old kid or an 18 year old kid like that. I was that kid that like people at school would be like, you don't have cable, <laughs> you know? And I was like, yeah, my parents just didn't have cable. They didn't. So we, we watched whatever was on the, 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 the regular channels. All right. And, um, but I would actually babysit from time to time.
0: Okay. And,
1: and, uh, yeah, I did that. Got to earn some money, you know? And I, I remember specifically one year going to this house and they were, they, you they lived kind of in a nicer area for sure. And they had like HBO or Showtime or one of them Uh that the fight was on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not for different reasons, but that the fight actually was on. And so like I remember staying up and watch like that was like the first Tyson fight I ever saw. Oh. I don't even remember who it was against but like I saw it because I was babysitting and these people had like Showtime or whatever yeah. it was. That that the thing was on. So but it was that kind of event too. Like I couldn't wait for it. Like I was hoping they wouldn't come home at like 11:30 or midnight cuz so the place was yeah. still late. Yeah, so I wouldn't miss it. Um but you know every the, the biggest knockout for uh, Tyson you know the the oh my gosh moment with Sphinx, right that yeah I'm looking at it, it's back in 1988 and that's the one that like took everybody uh by storm and the thing about Tyson back then is like you flipped it on right away and you're like okay how fast is he gonna do it yeah that that was the story with Mike Tyson. It was like, is it is this going to be a 15 second fight, or is it going to be like a 50 second fight? Nobody ever thought it was going to be like a 15 minute fight. <laughs>
0: you it's, know? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because, like, again, I, I I started doing like the research today because I knew we were going to talk about it. But it's incredibly impressive. Like through his first 12 wins, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine of them were first round knockouts. That's pretty nuts. That Especially great. in boxing, like now UFC, there are people you watch. Like we talk about Derek Lewis on here. Like how fast is he going to be? Ronda Rousey yeah, yeah. used to be that way. So I think it's true. true. It's fascinating like how that's that. changed. But UFC is different. Boxing, I think it's I think it's a little bit more difficult to knock somebody out right off the get go because the gloves. So and you everything. read.
1: So it was nine of them, and I'll tell you what, it felt like nineteen of them. It really did. Like it felt like that's the kind of aura that Tyson has. Like, even as a kid, you know? And again, like, can you imagine Tyson, like, at that point? Can you imagine if there... I always say, can you imagine if there was social media, like, from 85 to 95 or something when Tyson's, like, knocking people out in 15 seconds? Yeah. I I mean... mean, Can you imagine the phenomenon that would have been? It would be amazing to put it in today's landscape of social media, TV, uh, the news cycle. It it would just be amazing.
0: He'd be all over TikTok. By the way, this is crazy, (laughs) too. 198 his first, according to what I'm looking at, his first professional win was March 6, 1985. He fought 15 times in 1985. Wow, 15 times!
1: 15 times in '85. Now the best fighters in the world fight once every three years. Yeah,
0: literally, like 15 times. March 6th, April 10th.
1: Not even Rocky fought 15 times in a year.
0: He fought back-to-back weeks. This better be right, because this is blowing my mind. July 11th and then July 19th.
1: Did he really?
0: So it says, yeah. Wow. Eight days apart. John days Alderson up. and Larry Sims knocked them both out. Cold. Wow.
1: From Catskill, New York. I guess if you were. Uh, Mike Tyson, and you're winning fights in the first round. You, you're not breaking a sweat, so that's let's true. bring it on. I'm in good shape. Let's do it again next week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Eric Brother would say, I could beat Tyson, but not Mr. Sandman and Mike Tyson Punch Out. I would have to use the password. He still remembers the password. Really? To go right to Tyson. <laughs> he gives us the password here. That's, that's impressive, awesome. Eric. That is very impressive. I uh, really yeah. remember my phone number as a kid. You remember the password to get to Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson Punch Out.
0: Oh, that's so good.
1: Um, and uh, Adam says, uh, we're about the same age. First fight I remember was Tyson versus Sphinx. Yeah, well, it's probably the first one and the most memorable one uh, when it comes to Mike Tyson. All right, uh, some other sports we'll uh, get to as well. Mike Tyson here at the Avenues Mall, Palm Beach Autographs, uh, today at 6.30. PalmBeachAutographs.com for more information. Pete Rose tomorrow, Ric Flair on Saturday. But we are right here right now on ESPN 690. him mentally, he wants to be playing the best possible basketball going into that situation because if not, it's going to be a long night for him. Now, the great thing about it is he has two dynamic scores for him where he can play that game and if he can dominate defensively and get the ball to KD and Kyrie who have a great night, he wins. But a lot of turnovers. Obviously, they're going to try to make him shoot. They're going to get into his head. So, yes, he, he should prepare for that now, and he should have it marked on his calendar for wanting to play there. That didn't sound like Kendrick Perkins this time.
0: No, I'm actually. I don't know if he's like newly hired by ESPN, but it'd probably be a good addition. He is relatively newly retired from the NBA. Felt like JJ he. Redick? No, but he felt like he was there my entire life because I think he was in the league when I was born and then just recently retired. Vince Carter? That was Vince Carter, yes. All right. it's pretty good. Vince Carter. Uh,
1: that, that's a good uh, segue, actually. Into, we were just talking about this during the break, and so we don't have a lot of time here, but uh, before we hit the top of the hour, uh, we're live at Palm Beach Artergrass, uh Mike Tyson, uh, Pete Rose. You were asking me about Pete Rose because yep. I'm a baseball guy, and uh, we're talking about Mike Tyson. And do you want to meet your favorite athletes or some of the best athletes. Like, do you want to meet them or do you like, I was telling you, I said, I don't really have that affinity for that. Like, I loved Dan Marino as a kid. I got to meet him. He was cool, but I didn't need to like Tiger Woods. Like, I mean, I've interviewed him, but I haven't like, I don't care if I have lunch with him or play around a golf, it might be cool, but I don't like, Oh yeah. You know, let me go bid $50,000 for that. Like, I, I don't, I don't feel that way toward the athlete in the same respect as like, they have Pete Rose. Listen, somebody would be like is he the greatest guy in the world? I don't think he'd be on that list. But I appreciate his greatness for how he played the game and, yeah. and his hits king. Like, I I look at athletes as athletes. I don't try to look at athletes as like, wow, like, that's my role model and I should live life exactly the way that – they live in a different world than all of us, yep. right? And so I just – I don't characterize my athletes. Like, that's why I love Tiger Woods. My mom used to hate that I love – and she still does – hate that I love love Tiger Woods. Like I don't have to love Tiger Woods and everything that he does and how he goes about his business and all that stuff. I love Tiger Woods' greatness and athlete. Like I don't look at Tom Brady as like who is Tom Brady the husband, the dad, the whatever. I look at him as he's the greatest quarterback of all time, and I got a chance to watch that. Yeah, like it's I totally separate it, and I don't know if it's because the business I'm in or whatever, but I just totally separate it, and so I don't link the two. And if you're a bad dude, you're a bad dude, but. Thanks for the memories. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of the way I look at it. How about you do you you, you do the autograph thing like do you did you want to meet Jeter, right? Did he, do you want to meet the the athletes that you love?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting like obviously uh people don't know me like that, but yeah, I spent pretty much my whole uh childhood life like getting autographs and doing that and for a while cuz I wanted to meet these people, but then it turned into a revenue source for me, so I had to play that out, but I always tell people, like, when I was in school and stuff, because, you know, I was, like, hardcore flex guy. I'd post it on my Instagram. Like, when I met somebody famous, it's still there. Like, you can go check yeah. those out. But um, it was, like, hardcore flex. People would always be like, oh, that's so cool. Like, ha- like do you enjoy it? And I'm like, well, honestly, like, no. Because you don't want to meet these people because if whatever you have these people built up in, in your head, 90% of the time when you have an interaction with them, it's not what you're expecting.
1: That's right. So it's always, and, it's, it's and always most people say that by the way, right? You don't want to yeah. meet your heroes. Exactly. Right? That's and kind of a very, very cliche thing, but a very true thing.
0: You really don't. And to your point, like at that point, like when you have a bad experience with someone in my experiences, like it takes me away from them, like as a fan part of it, like even if I wasn't a diehard fan of them and then it's like, Oh, I had a bad experience. I'm like, Oh, now I really don't like you. And that's yeah. a hard thing to separate from that point. And I think it's hard for people to separate if you do have that experience. So at the end of the day, it's probably better to just not to your point.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Like, listen, I loved Marino as a kid. Like, had everything Marino. My whole room was Dan Marino, and people had said like he's not like the uh, I had people uh, I had relatives down in South Florida, and the book on Marino was he's like yeah he's not really the greatest guy in the world blah 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 blah. And so I kind of wondered about and expected not a great Marino, and I met him like three different times, and every time I met him, he'd been fantastic. Now that doesn't make him the greatest guy, but every time I met him, he was not the guy that they told me he was gonna be. Yeah, and I was like it was just the opposite effect. Like, I actually loved him growing up, uh, loved watching him, had everything Marino, and I was, like, expecting him to be like, yeah, kid, get away from me. <laughs> and and he was actually, like, really cool. It, it, and so I was like, oh, that was kind of nice. That's a little refreshing. I expected the opposite.
0: <laughs> it's funny you say that because I've had many inexperienced because there's obviously a lot of people that do autographs and whatnot in, in non-traditional ways, if you will. But anytime someone told you, like, yeah, this person's probably going to curse at you or something like that, and then when that doesn't happen, you're like, hey, you know what? <laughs> this guy is all right, as it turns you guys out. That's wrong. You're preparing for the worst, and then when the best happens, it's a totally different experience. So, to your point, yeah, I think it's, it's better when stuff like that happens, but doesn't always happen.
1: Yeah, I think, hey, listen, go meet your favorite athlete stuff, but separate the human being from the athlete, is what I would suggest, yeah. if you can do that.